5 o'clock in pirate country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Hit it. along with you on a uh, beautiful boy what a gorgeous day so pretty outside little polony a little little allergy situation but i'm fine i'm fine hey we've got a tremendous and i mean uh tremendous lineup for you today we've got a lot of things to tell you about some uh some good things and and some uh unfortunate things uh we have uh coach houston coming up here in just a few minutes mike houston's going to join us lots of things to talk about with him and i'm excited to uh to do so uh also later on in the program uh wade howell is the gm for the down east wood ducks uh the woodies play in kinston and historic granger stadium and tonight was going to be the night where ECU baseball and UNCW baseball were going to play a third regular season game and uh, play that uh, in Kinsa, kind of uh, an additional game in the regular season at a neutral site. It was an ECU home game. And uh, apparently, if they don't repeat the schedule next year uh, for this year, uh, it would shift back possibly to UNCW as that third game next year based on the contract, is my understanding. Uh, and uh, I, I would like to see UNCW try to play that game at uh, at Granger Stadium. Uh, the Wood Ducks also had a game, I think, scheduled for today originally, so it would have been interesting. It would have probably been one of those earlier in the day and then the college game later that night, doubleheader kind of deals. We'll talk to uh, their GM, Wade Hal about that and – uh, how things are going, and, and can we expect any sort of minor league baseball uh, to be played in Kinston or anywhere else in North Carolina this year? We've got uh, quite a few minor league franchises here in North Carolina, and uh, it's always a fun time to head out to one of those uh, games there. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Coach Houston in just a little bit. Some uh, folks have sent in questions. If you have any that you want to uh, ask, we thought about uh, trying to do a call deal, but I, I think with just everything going on, it was just better to, if you have a question, want to submit it, you could do so at 943 the game or uh, to me on Twitter at P man on air, whichever you would choose to do. Uh, we've uh, learned today, and it was a sad situation to learn today that Charlie Harrison, the uh, one time basketball coach at ECU, uh, has uh, died at the age of 70. Uh, and I think he was down in Carteret County or at least towards the coast here in recent years. Uh, I do know that he went to Guilford, grew up in Scotland Neck, just a nice guy. And even though he was kind of an Eastern North Carolina kid, he coached here uh, at ECU in Greenville. He was all over uh, with basketball experience. He started his career 
at Indiana as an assistant for Bob Knight. I think it was a post-grad situation there. Uh, he was at Clemson for a year or two, coached uh, overseas for a little bit as a head coach, was in the uh, ABA. So uh, Coach Harrison was uh, kind of a well-traveled guy when he came here to Greenville. I believe I have it right in that he followed Dave Odom and then came before Mike Steele uh, as the ECU basketball coach. My, that was a little before my time. My exposure to him was when I uh, sort of started doing some of the fill-in on the network, uh, and uh, he would he would do the telecasts that would be done locally that Jeff Charles would do, and then uh, the home team sports telecasts that he would do. Uh, ben, were you telling me something? Okay. Well, uh, without we'll have more remembrances of uh, uh, an ECU great uh, Charlie Harrison in a little bit. Uh, plus, tell you about some other goings on as it concerns sports in the American. But we go to the phone lines now. Where Coach Mike Houston, ECU football uh, head coach, uh, joins us here this afternoon. Uh, coach, I hope you're well. How's everything going with uh, the Mike Houston family and with the ECU football family? I think both are uh, functioning quite well, uh, given the circumstances, and uh, you know, each day enjoying uh, what uh, what that brings to each of us, and uh, and just trying to get better every day. So things are going pretty good. Good to hear. And I appreciate you taking a few minutes with us here this afternoon. You've got uh, the, the task of whether they're on campus or in this case off campus in a lot of cases, uh, keeping up with 100 plus uh, people. I have to imagine uh, that it does have its challenges, especially when you can't look everybody in the eye or kind of gather them, uh, you know, for meetings. But uh, technology, I guess, is serving a way to keep up with everybody. I was about to say, you know, we're finding ways to do um, probably more than I ever thought was possible. You know, we had a team meeting this afternoon at 2.30, and uh, so I, I addressed them for about, uh, you know, between five and ten minutes. And uh, after that, they had position meetings with their position coaches. So, um, you know, technology has allowed us to stay in pretty close contact with them um, and, and at least function somewhat. So, uh you know, we do feel like we have a good grasp on uh, each player, and kind of where they are, how they're doing, um, you know, what their resources are to, uh, you know, to work academically or work athletically. So uh, we're staying in pretty constant contact with them. Is this, uh, is this a Zoom sort of meeting, Coach, or are you doing that through a different platform? Yeah, yeah so we're using Zoom for our team meetings, and then for our position meetings, we're using Microsoft Teams. Uh, just because you know it, it functions a little bit better with our video stuff, mm-hmm. where I mean we're we're you know we're showing pl- you know film from last year, film of upcoming opponents, um, you know having some pretty detailed breakdown meetings. So using a couple of different platforms to uh, to communicate with them. And then their workouts, uh, obviously, any, any conditioning they're doing, any weight room gains that they are achieving, they're all doing that. With supervision, but but basically on their own uh, as far as, well, as their daily activities, in a sense, aren't they? You know, they they are on their own almost period. So, um, you know, the strength coaches have assessed, you know, kind of what each player's uh, resources are. You know, some of them have nothing. Some of them is just, you know, body weight and whatever they can find around the house and and going out and just old school running, you know, around the around the neighborhood or whatever. Um, some of them have, you know, some, some type of home gym. Uh, some of them may have access to a private gym. Um, you know, each, each setup's different. 
Um, but, you know, our strength coaches have worked with them to kind of tailor each workout depending on what they have available to each player. So that, to me, uh, as Mike Houston joins us here on the Patrick Johnson Show, that, to me, Coach, would seem like uh, the, the, one of the more difficult things is not everybody has access to the same kind of equipment. Uh, so that had right. to be, boy, that, that really put in some overtime from the strength and conditioning folks to, to tailor uh, make the, that that to me seems like a bigger challenge than, than the communication challenges if there are any it sounds like you all have the communication side of this pretty well wrapped up yeah i mean it's the thing is they they split they split them up to about you know each coach has about 25 kids each of the strength coaches and so uh they they spent a lot of time putting this stuff together right at the very beginning um and so now it's you know they, they, they're running pretty smooth now gotcha Coach, are you spending any time uh, in the office? If so, how much time are you able to spend in the office now? Well, I mean, I, I, I go in a few days a week just uh, when when there's certain things going on staff-wise or some stuff with our players where I feel like I, I'm functioning better there. You know, I'm trying to operate from home a lot, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's just not very efficient uh, in the house. So, uh, you know, I go in, go to my office and lock the door and, you know, I can, I've got all my te- all my technology there, and I've got all my resources and film there, so uh, I can I can stay in there all day. Are you uh, are, are any members of your staff coming in a few days a week, or is everything they're doing right now remote? A few, most yeah. are, most are functioning remotely. Um, there are a couple, um, mainly the new uh, coaches on staff that. Uh, you know, they, they don't quite have everything set up on a laptop where they can take it home yet. Or, you know, they're still trying to look at uh, some stuff from last year on film that we did. And uh, so mainly it's the newer staff that's uh, that's coming in from time to time. Gotcha. Mike Houston uh, is joining us here. We're uh, always excited when uh, Coach Houston gives us some time. We'd be uh, <laughs> right in the midst of uh, or wrapping up spring football. We'd, we'd be kind of in the yeah. midst of that, I think, right now. Uh, the spring so- game would be this Saturday. Yeah. Okay. That is right. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember yep. what it, since last weekend was Easter. It wasn't going to be this weekend, wasn't it? So yep. uh, what would you be doing? I mean, how, how, how wildly different would your life be right now compared to what it is uh, if, if everything were normal, I guess? Well, I mean, you'd, we, we'd be in the middle of, you know, practicing three times a week and meeting, meeting every day with the players except Sunday. And, uh, you know, I'd be, you'd be, you know, deep into film evaluation, establishing your depth chart, uh, trying to develop our young players, um, you know, especially the new kids that came in mid-year, um, you know, trying to make sure we get as much install done defensively as possible with a new system going in. So, I mean, you would be, you know, up to your neck in it right now. Yeah. Uh, coach, as far as, um, any kind of return reassembling guys, that sort of thing. We talked to uh, Dr. Mitchelson last week a little bit. He sort of gave his thoughts and some of the insight into the planning they're doing as far as bringing the student body back uh, to campus at some point, possibly later in the fall. Uh, or right now, what, what are you feeling? What are you hearing? And what's your sense on a, a possible date where players may be able to come back on campus and, and start to prepare for the, for the upcoming season? You know, I'm a, I'm a little more optimistic, uh, probably more optimistic this week than I was last week. Uh, cause I think you're starting to see the national, um, you know, tide turn with this virus. Um, I'm hopeful that we'll get the players back sometime this summer. 
uh, hopefully in June, uh, at least by the beginning of July. Uh, and that way we have just, we have a chance to, um, you know, get them prepared, get them back in shape and get them to where, uh, we can hopefully start the season on time. I'm still optimistic that we're going to kick off August 29th and daddy second. So, uh, I'm, 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 I'm feeling better and better about that. What would be the latest date you could get guys back and still be ready if games are to go on regularly scheduled in the so-called week zero time frame? Well, I mean, just talking to the conference coaches, and we've had several meetings with, um, you know, within the conference. I think most of us feel four to six weeks. We'd, we'd like six, uh, minimum of four, uh, to get the kids ready for preseason camp. So <clears throat> any, any later than the beginning of July, and I think that you're looking at probably getting the season pushed a little bit. Because you, uh, people don't understand that, you know, we train – we would finish spring practice this, this week. The kids would have about a week off. Then we would train every day from that point to the beginning of preseason camp to get them in shape for preseason camp um, because you have to be prepared. I tell you, the, the, the grind of the season is so tough. I saw uh, uh, some stats the other day that when the NFL had the strike-shortened offseason a few years back where they basically just started uh, – started a preseason and went straight into the regular season with no OTAs, no off season, stuff like that. The injury rate was so much higher than a normal regular season uh, because you didn't have all the training leading up to um, the beginning of the regular season. So I think four to six weeks prior to preseason camp is what we have to have to make sure that the players are safe. Uh, we've got Mike Houston with us here uh, talking uh, kind of uh, the, the operating uh, procedures for ECU football here. Uh, lots of things to talk about with Coach. We appreciate him taking a few minutes with us here uh, this afternoon. Uh, David Cutcliffe said today that he would like to see any kind of return for college football be uh, uniform. In other words, not mm-hmm. a conference by conference uh, sort of thing right? Uh, or, or a partial conference sort of thing. Uh, are you are you and other coaches in the American sort of in agreement with that? I think we all feel that way. Now, how realistic is that? Um, I don't know. You know, given the fact that you know we're in you know the East, uh, you know somebody else on the West Coast may have different uh, kind of dynamics going on around them. But uh, I think everybody feels like we all need to be on a level playing field or as close to we can as possible. It's not going to be level. You know, we missed the entire spring practice, you know, some teams got the entire spring practice in, you know, the university of Houston got 10 practices in everybody's going to be at a different place uh, because of losing the spring the way we did. And with you building a program uh, and and in a sense, reestablishing a culture of a program uh, in a lot of ways and a lot of the young talent you have, I mean, that's, that's vital. I mean, having this time to have yeah. had those practices oh. was, was, I don't think people, yeah, it's big, but I, I don't think people really understand the enormity of, of what this spring meant to the program. We were, and I, I'm, I'm not over-exaggerating this, uh, we were at an, an absolute high point since I got there when we broke for spring break. I mean, it, everything was operating at the highest level it has since we got there from an from an attitude, accountability, work ethic, positive enthusiasm, everybody working together. Um, 
you know, everything was just in such a great place. Um, and it really, <clears throat> I've talked to the players about it. It stinks. It does. But, uh, you, but you can't control it, you know, and we got to control what we can control. And so we're trying to stay focused on, you know, every single day, you know, pushing ourselves to be the best that we possibly can be in whatever we're doing, uh, controlling our attitude, controlling our effort, controlling our preparation, uh, and not worrying too much about the circumstances around us. But, yeah, it's, it's vital, vital time together and vital developmental time uh, for our program, given how young our roster is. Uh, at this point, but you know, it is what it is. You gotta, you gotta handle it, uh, adapt to it and move on. Coach, uh, are, do you have any players that are still in the dorms? When we talked to, to Ron Mitchelson, it was uh, a few dozen, uh, John Gilbert had told us a while back that a few athletes in other sports, because they were international athletes, obviously had to, to be in the dorms. Uh, are there any football players in the dorms right now? Or, uh, I'm sure there's some in Greenville as well. You know, we, we've got a handful and, you know, the reality is, um, you know, for some of our kids, the circumstances uh, in a dorm room may be better than what the circumstances would be at home. You know, as far yeah. as, you know, ha- having having food, having electricity, having Wi-Fi, you know, having a, a safe place, um, you know, having people close by to help you and support you. So we have a handful in the dorms. Uh, we have a handful in Greenville. Of course, Luke Larson, you know, he didn't have the option at all uh, right. being from Australia. So, uh, yeah, there's some. And, you know, what, what, you know, Teron Williams has done a great job of really staying on top of each kid and making sure that if, if we have a kid that we feel like is in a bad situation, one that's not going to be conducive for his well-being, then we try very hard to find a solution. And for some of them, that's been to come back to campus. Mike, has there been anything that you might not have had time or, or we're going to maybe look at later in uh, the the summer that you can have been able to pay a little more attention to now as, as far as the program as a whole? That maybe, I don't want to say it was a back burner situation, but just something that during the normal course of business, you had other things you had to focus on that now you maybe have a little more time to, to look into or reflect on. I was about to say, besides my wife and kids, you know, that's probably the biggest thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, you, you you've actually you've actually seen your family a good bit. So, uh, and I think that's I, I'm, I, that's not a that's probably good for everybody. I mean, I think that this whole thing has forced all of us to slow down, uh, spend more time at home, spend more time focused on some things that maybe you know do take a back burner sometimes, sometimes to our career. But uh, yeah, that's definitely one thing. I think when you're, when you're talking about football. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the program, I think probably two areas that we're probably ahead of and probably a little more in-depth with, and that's, you know, we've already done our, our game plan stuff for South Carolina and Marshall, the first two games, and probably spent more time and more in-depth uh, than we normally have time to do in the summer uh, with those two games. And we're going we're gonna to also do uh, Norfolk State, which is game three, and we're going to do UCF, uh, because it's on a short week early in the season. <clears throat> we're going to look at some other teams, but those four breakdowns, we're going to do complete breakdowns of those four teams uh, you know, during this time. Uh, the other area is recruiting. Uh, you know, The big negative is we haven't been able to bring the kids to campus, which that's really going to slow us down as far as getting solid commits right now. But we probably have stronger relationships, and there's no doubt I have evaluated and talked to more 
high school and uh, junior college and grad transfer recruits uh, this spring at this point than I have in maybe ever. Um, just because you spend, you know, I'm spending half of my day every day solely on recruiting. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, each, you know, that I've talked to probably 10, 10 uh, high school and junior college players today. And, you know, each one of those kids, by the time I've talked to them, they've been evaluated by no fewer than six coaches or so. So you're getting really a jump start uh, on that where, you know, most of the time it would be probably June by the time we were at this point in depth of recruiting. Yeah. Uh, Mike Houston is joining us uh, here. It's great to have Coach Houston for a a few moments with us uh, here. Uh, We had a couple of uh, folks send in some questions uh, to, to ask you here. Uh, this is from uh, a good friend and a guy who uh, who played in the program, Kevin Wiggins, years ago. He was asked, he was curious about the kids that were the high school seniors who were not on campus yet, uh, right. and and you know how that communication is going, and what you know the process of of you know what they're having to do to be prepared as soon as they are able to get on campus to sort of hit the ground running is. Well, you you, you can have communication with those guys um, more than you can with the recruits less than you can with the players on campus. Um, but you know, we stay connected with them. We're trying to make sure that everybody, you know, completes their eligibility and applications. And, you know, some of that stuff got taken away too because you haven't had the SAT or ACT this spring. Right, yeah. So, so many so many high school classes have gone to pass-fail instead of a grading system. So the eligibility center, I think, is going to have to make some concessions with some of that stuff. Uh, regarding initial eligibility, but you know, we're trying to work to do the best job we can with those guys. They're allowed to listen in on some things uh, with our team, so we're doing that. Um, we're just trying to keep them as connected as we can uh, at this point. You know, it's uh, it's that's not as big of a difference for us than uh, it is normal every year. But certainly, you know, those guys are not going to school every day. You know, they're not quite as active as they usually are. So I do look forward to getting them on campus as soon as possible. Uh, Coach, what is the status of Mason Garcia? What can you give uh, as a follow-up kind of to that? What, where, where is he right now in his process of, of qualifi- qualifying and uh, your communication with him, which I guess, as you just said, is, is somewhat uh, limited? Well, we expect Mason to be on campus this summer. Uh, I am fairly optimistic he's going to be eligible. And so I think I think he's going to be ready to start competing when we open fall camp. Mike so Houston's with us. That. Okay, uh, Mike Houston's with us uh, here. Uh, we appreciate him taking a few moments with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show today. Uh, Pirate Al, you knew he would chime in, uh, Coach. Uh, wants to ask uh, the NCAA apparently is voting in May. I think it's the twentieth to allow student athletes to transfer once without sitting out. Uh, is that does that become free agency in college athletics? And you foresee that vote happening? And, and what could that mean for a program like ECU? I think it's very dangerous. I mean, I think that uh, I think if if, if you got to protect and you got to have some integrity uh, within the within the sport, um, you know, people are very critical of that. And but if if you pass that without any kind of uh, restrictions, I just, uh, college football will completely change. I yeah. mean, I think, and you, you can forget the have and the have nots. 
it would turn into something that's not what we have all grown up loving and uh, and something that I don't think would be good for the student athletes. Uh, to me, I think if, you, if you're going to keep it as, um, you know, an amateurism sport and a college sport and it's not a professionally run league, then there's certain things you got to have. And uh, if you're going to go, you know, this image, name and image likeness and, you know, the free agency, as you put, if you're going to go down those uh, roads, then you might as well go ahead and make the student athletes employees of the university and treat them as such. You know, you're losing the whole student athlete model. Uh, and, you know, I'm, maybe I'm old school or whatever, but I mean, I'm, I, I got a degree from college because of the sport of football. Mm-hmm. That is it. I, I would not have, I would not be here today if it were not for the sport of football. It gave me an opportunity to go to college, gave me an opportunity to get an education, get a degree, and change my life dramatically over what it would have been. And so I'm a big proponent of the student-athlete amateurism model. And so I'm against, uh, you know, anything that would just undermine the integrity of the, uh, of the, of the sport. Coach, we've talked a couple times uh, with Brett McMurphy here during the last few weeks, uh, and, and one of the most recent things that he yeah. uh, has talked about in recent days is the expansion of uh, the, the football playoff. Uh, there's yeah. some strong consideration for, for that now with right. this sort of pause in operations. Uh, going to eight teams, possibly 16, but eight seems to be the, the overall consensus. Uh, as, as just your opinion, does it need to expand? How much more inclusive? Because that's my big thing when people have these expansion arguments. It needs to be a little more mm. inclusive, especially the teams out of the American, in my mind. Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's, a, it's another one of those things. There's going to be... There's going to be positives and negatives. If you expand, certainly I think the American is, you know, a full contender then. Because uh, I think you're sitting right there. You know, a lot of a lot of these rankings or whatever had us ranked as the fourth best FBS conference in the country last year, even though we didn't have a representative in the college football playoff. Uh, so if you expand to six, I think the American is, is fully, uh, you know, a, a big participant in the playoff. Uh, you go to eight. You know, there's no doubt, you know, we'd have at least one, maybe two teams. So I think that that's the positive. I think the negative is, you know, you're lengthening the season, which I I do have concerns over the wear and tear on the student athletes. Um, You know, when I was at James Madison, you know, we played back-to-back years. We had 15-game seasons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you play 15 games in a season and back-to-back seasons that's a lot of wear and tear on the, on the players' bodies. And what we saw was in year three, you know, we had some injuries that didn't show up in year one and two. And so I, I, I do have some concern about lengthening the season. I think you got to be very, very careful right there. You know, everybody wants a conference championship game. Everybody wants, you know, you know whatever, this game or that game. So I do think you've got to be very protective of, uh, you know, not overdoing it. Again, this is not a professional league. It is a, is a you know, an amateur uh, student-athlete uh, model that we play in. Could, could you see that, that so-called P5 group and maybe some teams, if not every team in the American, perhaps splitting and kind of be another 
let's division classification, whatever you want to call it, uh, sure. comes about with football as a result of all yeah. of this. Yeah, I think easily there could be. I think that's you know that's what uh, you know people have talked about for a while now is you know the the Power Five and 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 you hope that the American would be in that because you know we are viewed by by the Power Five as a peer. You know the Big Ten does not does not allow their um, you know their their teams to schedule non Power Five teams except for American conference teams. So mm-hmm. you know we are at that level. So you hope we'd be included in that. But I could see you know those schools breaking away from the NCAA. One and of the other very, things, a very, a very real possibility. One of the other things that uh, we talked with Brett about extensively was the possibility of games, the football season for college being played in, in the spring, uh, or at least over a couple semesters or December, however it may fall. In other words, a delay. You've got to prepare right. uh, as if the season's starting in uh, late August. But uh, right. if, if, if that's the case, how much does that shift? I mean, have, have you guard, have started to have some of those discussions if we have to delay things, how we will go about, you know, all of the prep as you've talked about that goes into it. Well, I think, I think the prep's the prep, you know, you've got to have X amount of preparation before you start preseason camp and you've got to have X amount of preseason camp before you play games. So I think the, you know, the preparation is the preparation. I think that's, what's going to dictate, you know, when the season starts, you know, when are we allowed to bring the kids back on campus and start preparing? I think that, that date is going to dictate the start of the season. Um, personally, I hope that we don't go into the spring because I think that's not good for other sports. You know, I think that hurts basketball. I think that hurts the spring sports. Um, you know, I, if you keep us in the fall, then, you know, because college football is, you know, it, it leaves a big footprint, you know, so it's, you know, no, no matter where you put it, it's going to, it's going to have its place. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I hope that we can keep it where it does not interfere with the other uh, major sports. You know, the, the enterprise of, of college football, and especially for ECU, season ticket sales, game day ticket sales are so important. Uh, if you had to play a season without fans, what would you envision? I mean, obviously, there, there's the financial ramifications of that. But, uh, you know, as far as the pageantry and the game day experience, it would be remarkably different right you know it's, it's not ideal it's not what we want on face what anybody wants um but it is a better alternative than not playing now i don't think personally i don't think it's going to make it to that point right um i think you're going to see a season in the fall i think you're going to see a season where fans can be there in the fall i hope that the national kind of uh, feeling with everything is to where fans feel comfortable going into stadiums and, and going to games. Uh, I do think when all this quarantine stuff is lifted and we are able to get out and get back around each other, I do think you'll see a resurgence. Uh, so I hope that you see that in the fall. But, uh, you know, the number one thing that I think is everybody wants to make sure that we save the season, uh, you know, safety first, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but everybody wants to see uh, college football have a 2020 season in the fall. Mike, what's the, uh, the, the kind of the most, uh, enjoyable thing, unique thing, uh, that you've been able to sort of do with your wife, a man and the two sons that you, you, 
uh, haven't been able to do, you know, normally this time of year? <laughs> well, see, we had a Nerf gun fight this morning as soon as I got up. <laughs> so uh, now my, my wife, my wife was not real excited about that, but right, you know, there's these little little Nerf the little Nerf bullets all over the house. Uh, but that went on for about a half hour. So uh, it's, it's been good. I mean, we've you know, I, I went for a I went for a jog with my wife uh, this morning, which is the first time, and I don't know how many years that I've done that. And uh, you know, we've had movie night several nights. Um, you know, I've, I've got uh, Owen and Reed. I'm gonna try to take them out and and do something outside after dinner this evening. And so yeah, yeah, you just you know, you've, you've been able to just catch your breath and. Um, you know, it's going to do one or two things. You're either going to see a lot of marriages and families grow closer, or you're going to see a higher divorce rate, one or two. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, yeah. you're, you're forced to be around each other right. you know, so much more than what we're used to. So, uh, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of a lot of things come out of this quarantine. There's no doubt. You haven't, you haven't benched something like Tiger King, have you yet, Coach? You had time for that? No, I tell you, you know, my, my neighbors have been all about that. And we got, we got this little neighborhood, uh, chat we have going mm-hmm. and, you know, the tiger King has been a big part in that. I've watched, I've watched part of one episode. I'm just, I'm resisting that a little bit. You know, that's, I got that's you. a little out there for me. Yeah. Is there something you have been I'm able not, to sort of watch or do that, you know, you, you've got around to kind of doing, <clears throat> uh, we, 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 we've watched a lot of now, listen, when we, when we say movie night, I mean, I've got yeah. an eleven-year-old and a seven-year-old, so it's you know it's a PG movie night. But you know we've right. watched a, a lot of movie, a lot of movies together. Um, you know, played you know done some board games, game nights, and stuff like that. Rode bikes a lot. You know, that's kind of our speed. You know, yeah. Amanda and I. By the time by the time the kids go to bed, <laughs> if, if we if we turn on the TV, we're going to be asleep in ten minutes. So you're not getting very much into anything that's adult oriented. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'd like, I'd, thing- like, I'd like I'd like I'd, I'd like to catch up on the Game of Thrones. I'd okay, like, I, I, I still haven't seen all of that. You know, we've got it. We both enjoy it. So maybe maybe we can get through that. Okay, <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Uh, one of the yeah. things that you you had done that I thought was really uh, I, I was excited about uh, a while back. You had talked to Ruffin McNeil about sort of coming back and being honored at some point last football season. It didn't work out. He was going to come back to campus for kind of a coach's clinic, I believe at the end of, of March. Right. Uh, could right. you just talk a little bit about that relationship and, and how that conversation, it's something I think we've talked about before, but just revisit how all of that's come together and where that relationship is right now with coach Ruff. Well, I mean, you know, Ruff and I were acquaintances whenever he was the coach at East Carolina. And then, uh, of course, Trip Weaver was a GA for him, and I hired Trip at the Citadel. And so I talked to Ruff a good bit during that time, and then got to know him over the next several years. Um, you know, I've got a lot of coaches on my staff that uh, were with him when he was in East Carolina. So that relationship through those guys has grown over the last ten years. Um, you know, Ruff, Ruff and I are, are are on a really good place. Um, he respects. Uh, our staff, he is all for our staff and anything he can do to help us. He loves East Carolina University. He loves ECU football. Um, it was a bad breakup, there's no doubt. And there were some mm-hmm. things probably um, that could have been done better and could have been handled a little bit better. 
uh, that could have maybe not fractured that relationship so badly. But, uh, you know, Ruff being the genuinely just phenomenal person that he is, you know, he's kind of let some of that stuff go. And so I think that, uh, you know, when time permits, you're going to see him back on campus because uh, certainly I'm going to encourage that and I'm going to try to find a way to do that because I think that's good for him. I think that's going to help him heal because, you know, when he gets back on campus, he will feel the love that our alumni, our fans, and our university have for him. And I think that's something that would be very positive for him to help that healing process. Uh, he and his wife both. Um, and I think that will also help, you know, our our alumni and fans that were bothered by the way things ended. I think seeing him in that in that light would help them also. Uh, Mike, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I know uh, sure. you're, you're, you're still very busy, very but uh, it, it's been something. Anytime we can get you long form, it's, it's so enlightening and a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it, and I hope you did. And uh, well, uh, the best to you and your family. And I don't know what you have planned after dinner tonight, but I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, enjoy that. Yeah, with, with, with those two and their motor, uh, it's always it's always eventful. So uh, if you, if everybody on the roster had their motor, you guys you might run the no table doubt. next year. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Listen, th- thanks for having me on. Hope everybody's staying safe. Miss seeing everybody. Wish we were seeing everybody in Dowdy Ficklin this Saturday, but really look forward to seeing you there this fall. So thanks a lot. Go Pirates, Coach. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Mike Houston, there. Great stuff from him. Really enjoyed having him on. Okay, uh, we got to get a break in. Uh, we'll take a timeout and we will come back. Uh, I tell you what, Ben, when we come back, update everybody on what's going on, and then we'll get to uh, uh, Wade Howell with uh, the uh, with the uh, Wood Duck. So a timeout. We come back. Ben updates you on uh, some sports developments today on the Patrick Johnson Show. Stay tuned. Patrick Johnson, every weekday at 5. I know he's a friend of yours, but that guy is bonkers. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Ben Barham here for your 94th of the game sports update. Former East Carolina basketball coach Charlie Harrison, who got to the Pirates for five seasons in the 1980s, has passed away. Harrison served as the Pirates head coach from 1982 to 1987 and got at ECU to 16 wins in his inaugural season of 1982 through 1983. Four years later, he got the program to its first ever win over a ranked opponent, defeating number 18th-ranked Northeastern, led by the late Reggie Lewis on December 8, 1986. Harrison was 70 years old. To deal with the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic, many reports state that universities will start to cut athletic programs to deal with budget cuts. The first of such universities to do this so far is American Conference member Cincinnati, who announced they would no longer have a men's soccer program. NASCAR star Kyle Larson has been fired by the Chip Ganassi racing team following a suspension after Larson used a racial slur on an iRacing livestream. Larson has lost nearly all of his sponsors and took to Twitter before suspension to apologize for his comments. In the NHL, the league has officially extended their self-quarantine recommendation period through April 30th. Following advice from trusted medical professionals, the original period was said to end tomorrow, April 15th. Throughout the NFL, the Chargers signed star tight end Hunter Henry to a franchise tender. Henry is said to earn $10.6 million on his one-year deal, making him the highest-paid tight end in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey's record-breaking deal worth $64 million turned many heads yesterday, including running back Alvin Kamara, who reacted to the deal live on a Call of Duty live stream. Alvin, what that mean for you, man? Ooh. Hey, man, look. I don't even, look. Uh, I don't know. Oh. 
I just play proof. I'm just a football guy. I'm not about contracts and all these things and all this money. Hey, the price of going up. Shout out, to, shout out to Christian man. Whoever's tuned in, shout out to Christian man. That's my boy, talented. Fear ninety four through the game sports update. I'm Ben Barn. Back to you, Patrick. Hey Ben, thank you. Uh, we were supposed to also be tonight at Granger Stadium for ECU and UNCW baseball. Wade Howe is the GM of the Down East Wood Ducks who play their games in historic Granger Stadium. And we're going to talk to him in just a moment. For breaking sports news, pictures, and videos, programming alerts, and the latest from the ECU Pirates. Patrick Johnson. For a guy who thinks he's cool, you're sure no fun. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. supposed to be in the midst of what was going to be a pretty exciting week for baseball down in my uh, hometown of Kinston, and uh, they were going to have the opening uh, week of their uh, season for the uh, Down East Wood Ducks, and then tonight uh, on the docket was uh, ECU and UNCW playing a uh, third game in the regular season there for both of those uh, programs. Uh, Wade Howell is the GM of the uh, Down East Wood Ducks. He joins us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Wade, it's great to have you on. I appreciate you doing this. Great to be here, Patrick. So uh, thanks for having me on. So how is today different for you than it would be if you guys were running around getting ready for a lot of purple and gold and fans in teal to descend on Kinston? Yeah, a lot more time in the office uh, than being outside in the in the beautiful weather, unfortunately. So, uh, and we we had a Wood Ducks game today too, which we probably would have moved. I think the way that that was looking, we kind of cut off the conversation about what we were going to do with this game. But I think we probably would have had a doubleheader. We would have a, had a game this morning uh, with uh, the Wood Ducks and the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, probably at ten or eleven o'clock, an early morning game, and then. Uh, and then had a little bit of a break and then opened up the gates for the ECU-UNCW game at uh, 6.30 so, uh, and would have had beautiful weather to do it. So, But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's all for naught. We'll, uh, hopefully when we get scheduled and continue talks with ECU, we'll be able to, to coordinate one of those days like that again maybe next year. So the hope is to continue to maybe do that with East Carolina, maybe have uh, a game against the UNCW or, or somebody maybe with some regional interest in? Would like to if we can. Uh, you know, it's... It, Again, we've got to hope that we can find this year, uh, you know, ECU was open to having us because it was, it was their home game. I think that next year, and if you look specifically at that series, that they've tried to move around to the various points, uh, neutral site games to let fans from, from both sides have easier access to come to the games and probably a little bit of a recruiting uh, tool as well. Uh, I think that third game next year would slide to Wilmington, so they each get one home game and then one game. You know that game they could they could take to a neutral site. So we'd love to. We were we were only probably three or four weeks into planning of that, and it only really started uh, selling the last couple of weeks. And you know we were on pace to probably sell it out. We already had oh, wow. a game sponsor for it, mm-hmm. so we were we were going to do really well on that one. A uh, lot of a huge uh, ECU fan base here in Kinston. And just you know, pretty centrally located to it. So I would love to love to be able to to get that rescheduled for next year and, and host it here. So we were excited about that. Wade Howell is the uh, general manager for the Down East Wood Ducks down in Kinston at uh, Historic Granger Stadium. Uh, wh- right now, what are you hearing about 
the prospects of of there being minor league games this season? You know, it's a, a, not really hearing much, and that's not a negative thing. It's you know, it's just the way that things are set up. Major League Baseball, um, you know, employs and provides minor league baseball players. So really, it's it, when you hear talk of Major League Baseball, I know they're talking about the playing the games really in a Major League Baseball level, but when those guys are are kind of looking to go back to work, that means all the players will go back to work in the organization, which would be our minor league guys. So, um, so really just kind of probably following along like everybody else and, you know, in, in the country right now really is like, you know, the, the, you know, kind of comments from president Trump and then from the CDC and the health, you know, health side of the health department, health officials. Um, and when, you know, I guess the, relaxing social distancing and allowing crowds to gather and things like that um, would take place. Uh, Major League Baseball, you can play games in an empty stadium because of TV revenue. Minor League Baseball doesn't make any sense. So we wouldn't, if Major League Baseball started playing in front of empty in, empty stadiums, we would not at the minor league level um, at our, at least our locations. They might spring training games or spring training locations. Right. So, you're so we won't. We won't start playing until the crowds can gather again. It's the first time that we would be able to open games, uh, open the gates, and have games here. So, I mean, and nobody can forecast this, but I would think with your internal planning, you're probably thinking more warm weather months. You were telling me before we started uh, that there would kind of have to be a cutoff date of, of late September because of the agreement between MLB and and uh, minor league baseball. I mean, could you get in uh, conceivably a worthwhile season in in maybe a 60, 75-day span? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, the good thing about minor league baseball, it's kind of set up to be two halves, two completely halves, different halves anyway, uh, just because especially at our level, you expect, you know, some high prospects to come in early on and get moved up to double A uh, about, you know, really it's last few years it's been kind of mid-May to late May. And the second half of the season, you kind of have a different team. Um, so we've had that every single year. So the second half of the season for us starts on June 25th. Um, and that's a 70 game season. Uh, so it, it's, I think that's kind of the date that at least I, you know, again, nothing official that I'm looking at is, is when Major League Baseball is talking about things. Does it work out then where we could start a season on that, you know, the, the second half of the season and play that? And as we talked a little bit before, um, you know, if you extended through the end of September, that could give everybody an additional 20 or 25 games. And if so, then that's a 90-game season out of 140 uh, games, which is is pretty significant uh, for the development of our guys and then for us to be able to try to recoup some of the revenue that we're losing here in the first couple months that we know we'll miss. So um, I, I think middle of July, after you get past that point, is probably the point where it's you still got two and a half months there. Um, I think anything past that is is where you probably start getting worried that maybe there's not enough of a, a season. Maybe they don't. It's not worth it to send the guys out to location. They could just keep them at a train, you know, spring training facility right. where you can kind of control the environment a little bit and the health and really monitor them a little bit more um, than than what you would do if you send them to the places. So I, I you know, I, but it will. You know, they'll have a four, six, you know, week, you know, kind of ramp back up to get ready to mm-hmm. start the season so mm-hmm. pitchers can get stretched out. Um, so we'll be able to tell from there how far we are. But late June would be great if it's July, anything later than middle to late July. 
Uh, at that point, I'm not sure. You've got two months left, August, September. I'm not sure if those guys would come on site at that point or not. Downey's Wood Ducks general manager Wade Howell is with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. So it's safe to, to pretty well assume, and this is, I guess, the case for a lot of minor league baseball, but uh, really uh, June and July are the big bellwether months uh, in Kinson and, and a lot of other places as well. Yeah, they really are. I mean, a lot of a lot of teams kind of, you know, they don't really do a lot of heavy promotions in April and May anyway because schools are still in. So for us, you know, it might be competing against a local college or some other activities and things as well. June, July, first part of August in minor league baseball is where, you know, it's kind of a busier month for us. You know, it's we, we see attendance pick up, especially on the weekends, even through the week a little bit. Kids are out, you know, people are out. The weather picks up a little bit, you know, it, it starts to warm up a little bit. Um, so any of those that we miss, again, if we start getting more towards past June, early July, again, that's a, it, a June is the first really good month of weather and attendance that most uh, minor league teams have anyway. Uh, wait, what, what do you feel like uh, right now are, are the biggest challenges uh, locally? I mean, obviously you're, you're owned by the, the parent club, it's not an independently owned minor league team, so there is some good in that, but there's also some challenges uh, in, in that, I'm sure. Uh, what are those challenges kind of at the local level for you all right now, or, or are you just making the best of the situation as is? Yeah, I, I think a little bit of both. I, you know, it's, number one, we're, you know, I think the the priority and concern for a lot of businesses out there is just the, the health and safety of their employees. So, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of in the office some, but we're non-essential employees in business. So, uh, by and large, everybody's kind of working from the house. Um, so, you know, it, keeping a, a focus on the season, like I said, not knowing when we're going to start, we live and die by the schedule for us and everything is planned out and around the schedule promotions, everything we do for the entire year. Uh, right now we don't know when that's going to be. So we don't know when we'll start and if we're going to start. So it's also, you know, we should be working and fulfilling and having games right now so that we don't. It just it just feels a little bit weird and different. And I think for that, for anybody else, then it's just for us, communication with our partners. Um, you know, it, it we don't really know, but even with that, you still want to be in contact with sponsors, ticket holders, the city of Kinston, whatever it is, to, to tell them and just give them updates, even if it's not much of an update. It's right, yeah. a conversation. I think people, you know, now too, it's, you know, you, you kind of hear and you look at, I'm guilty of it too. You watch news, you look at Twitter, Facebook, it's all about, you know, yeah. coronavirus and, and pandemic to talk about baseball and the hope of baseball. That's what opening day is all about, right? Everybody's, everybody's zero, zero. Anybody could win it this year. It could be anybody's year. Um, so, I mean, we're just a game. We're a distraction from day to day life that hopefully people can get back to. But even when we have conversations, I think people are, happy to talk about something else rather than, you know, kind of the, the issues that they have with, you know, with everything going on right now with business and, and just with, uh, with health and everything. Hey, wait, thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. Wish we were uh, out there tonight getting ready for uh, the Pirates and uh, Seahawks and uh, watching some uh, Wood Ducks baseball, but uh, hopefully soon. And uh, as always, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully next year we'll, uh, we'll have that game, but I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah, our pleasure. Thank you, Wade. Uh, there he goes, Wade Howell, who is the uh, GM. You know, uh, Kenston obviously has its challenges, and uh, they've done a really nice job to to 
try to brand themselves, I guess, as an Eastern North Carolina type of team, even though the majority of their fans uh, are, are in Kenston or a pretty close drive to Kenston, uh, you know, as far as regular attendees. But you know, they've done very well on the weekends there. And uh, that's a great ballpark. I, I just love Granger Stadium. I, it would have been fun to have been uh, at the uh, uh, ECU-UNCW game in baseball tonight. Uh, that game is already one with a lot of emotion and excitement uh, only would have been, uh, you know, enhanced that much more, I think, with that atmosphere tonight. And they were going to have a, a sellout crowd. It was going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we appreciate Wade Howe. We also appreciate Coach Houston giving us as much time as he did. Uh, ben will have this up for you uh, on our uh, SoundCloud. We'll get it out on our social media and uh, have that for you as uh, quickly as possible. Plus, uh, I believe they're going to play some of this tomorrow on Talk of the Town over on 103.7 WTIB. Uh, hopefully they will. Uh, and uh, we appreciate Coach Houston. Great job uh, by everybody, including Ben Byram. And uh, back tomorrow, Mick Mixon may be joining us. We're still working that out. Talk some Panthers and some more tomorrow. Have a great evening, everybody. To the